BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The CIA, in its attempt to foil the spread of communism during the Cold War, created a covert program called MKUltra to test and develop techniques and gadgets to stop the Soviets in their tracks. Most evidence of MKUltra's activities was destroyed by CIA Director Richard Helms, but a secret magic manual meant to train agents in the art of trickery and misdirection survived. Here are some of its most revealing secrets that very few people knew about. The U.S. government believed that the Soviets were using trucks for mind control and assassinations. Afraid they'd fall behind and interested to explore its potential, they created their own secret program, MKUltra. Among its tasks were developing poisons and ways of delivering them. Their arsenal had eight lethal substances and 27 incapacitating ones. Many were found in nature, such as shellfish toxins, cobra venom, botulinum, and crocodile bile. To deliver these toxins, the CIA developed weapons like the non-discernible bioinoculator, a 45 caliber Colt pistol that could fire a toxin-tipped dart filled with poison. If used with a sight and a shoulder stock, it could shoot a dart up to 250 feet and leave no traces. Many plans were hatched to eliminate threats to the U.S. An example was President Patrice Lumumba of Congo, who appealed to the Soviets when the West turned on him. This alarmed the Eisenhower administration. In 1960, a tube of poison-laced toothpaste was prepared for an agent to insert into Lumumba's toiletry kit. Larry Devlin, CIA office chief in the capital city of Leopoldville, is said to have tossed the tube into a river in the plan abandoned. Another target was Iraqi General Abdel Karim Qasem. The agency sent him a poison handkerchief laced with the incapacitating agent Brucellosis. However, he was killed by a firing squad before the handkerchief arrived. One particular focus of intense CIA involvement was Operation Mongoose. Its purpose was to discredit or assassinate Cuban leader Fidel Castro. After the failed Bay of Pigs invasion, President Kennedy's brother Robert led the effort in conjunction with the CIA to develop new and imaginative approaches to the possibility of getting rid of the Castro regime. 
To ruin Castro's reputation, one chemist proposed spraying a compound similar to LSD in his recording studio. He would then hallucinate while giving one of his regular broadcasts and appear incoherent. This plan was aborted because the chemical was unreliable. Other plans involved his trademark beard and depilatory agents. The idea was that losing the beard meant losing the macho image. In one plan, an agent would spray the depilatory chemical thallium in Castro's boots when he left them outside his hotel room at night to be shined. Castro canceled the trip and the plan had to be scrapped. Plans to assassinate him using cigars were equally bizarre. In one attempt, a Cuban double agent would offer him a cigar laced with botulinum, one of the most poisonous biological substances and a neurotoxin that can kill in seconds. The ploy failed when the agent didn't carry out the plan. Another plan imagined Castro accepting and lighting exploding cigars during a trip to the UN to blow his head off, but that plan wasn't carried out. Eventually, Castro's security forces created an exclusive brand of cigars, the Cohibas, to safeguard him against sabotage. When cigars didn't prove to be a fruitful assassination delivery system, the CIA focused on other activities Castro enjoyed, such as sea diving and Veradero Beach. Tests began on exploding seashells, but they were unreliable and impractical, and the idea was abandoned. Castro enjoyed diving, so the CIA entertained giving him a diving suit infected with the bacteria that causes tuberculosis. They dusted a diving suit with the biological agents that produce a skin disease called Madura Foot, but the person tasked with giving them the suit backed out and gave him a different one instead. The CIA even tinkered with the idea of using a paper mate ballpoint pen equipped with a small hypodermic needle that could inject a deadly poison, the Blackleaf 40. This substance has lethal amounts of nicotine sulfate and was used as a pesticide at the time. But once again, the agent tasked with carrying out the assassination never went through with it. The problem was best understood by Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, the CIA's chief of the Technical Services Division. He knew that agents needed to carry out their tasks with skill and without detection. He paid $3,000 to magician John Mulholland to write a manual for agents so they could learn the tricks of the trade. Mulholland was a master of close-up magic where the audience is fooled by the magician with theater, psychology, and setup. These are the skills agents need to carry out their missions. Mulholland wrote two manuals, the first one is called Some Operational Applications of the Art of Deception, and the second one is a manual on recognition signals. Both are among the few surviving MKUltra documents. The first manual dealt with the art of misdirection. Just like a magic act, the agent needs to set the stage. Mulholland emphasizes practice, repetition, assessment of all potential problems, and understanding the audience as keys to a successful performance. To fool someone, agents should be aware not to call attention to themselves. Outfits and attitudes have to blend. They must behave and look fitting to the setting and must seem at ease, but not too rigid. Fidgeting is the enemy of the spy and simplicity is always best. The first part of the manual deals with sight lines, gathering information, and switching identities. When managing your sight lines, the hand isn't faster than the eye. The secret isn't making the eye look elsewhere or tricking the mind into believing an alternative reality of your choice. Magicians and agents can redirect attention or blame. For instance, making a fuss with one hand while slipping poison into a cup with the other. They can plant a seed of doubt in an audience's mind by describing culprits with generic looks with one or two specific details, like saying the suspect has medium height but was wearing an eye patch. Using this, they can trigger false memories and confuse the facts. The next part was about gathering information. Taking photographs in secret, for example, is a vital skill. In the 60s, the CIA used the mechanism of a retractable tape measure 
but instead of metal tape, it used a black cord attached to a sub-miniature Minox camera. The whole thing was mounted on an armband inside the spy's sleeve. After taking the picture, the cord rolled into the tape, pulling the camera up the arm and out of sight. But taking and hiding images is useless unless spies can effectively switch identities and remain hidden. Magicians regularly use twins and disguises to create illusions, and spies can do the same. The manual describes the identical trick illusion where a person is at one place, disappears, and seems to appear at another. The CIA called this identity transfer. Houdini used it in his solid brick wall illusion. He had craftsmen build a wall on stage, after which he would hide behind a screen and disappear from one side to the other, making it look like he disappeared through the wall. Though people suspected it was a trapdoor, it wasn't really. He actually started behind a screen on the left side of the wall as himself. He changed into a worker's overalls, exited the screen disguised as a builder assistant, and walked to the right side of the wall in plain sight of the audience. Meanwhile, behind the screen on the left, mechanical arms waved at the audience. He walked behind the screen on the right side of the wall, changed back into his clothes, and reappeared as himself. Intelligence offers used similar techniques. In one instance, an agent, Agent A, staged a meeting with a top spy. The magic trick in swapping agents would work like this. Agent A arrived with his wife to a party dressed in a normal suit and tie. Agent B, not known by the Soviets and with a similar build to Agent A, arrived at the same party but dressed in loud, 1970s-style funky clothing. A third agent, Agent C, who was known to have had a ski accident the previous week, arrived with his wife wearing a leg cast, ski jacket, and a cap. Inside the party, Agent A and Agent B exchanged outfits. Agent A left with Agent C and his wife. Agent B left at the party dressed in a suit and tie, excusing himself to avoid identification. After leaving, Agent A changed into regular clothes and met with the top spy. After the meeting, the group rejoined the party and the agent swapped clothes again. Pretty smart, but not all identity transfers required a person-to-person -person transfer. The CIA also used a big St. Bernard dog to swap identities. An agent's cover was owning the dog, who sometimes needed to visit the veterinarian. When debriefings or meetings were needed, the person who needed the meetup would put on a St. Bernard skin costume and enter a specially designed portable kennel. Speakers hidden inside played a recording of the dog, complete with sound effects. At the vet, the meeting would take place, then the agent would return home dressed as a dog in his kennel. Sometimes agents also needed to use escapology. Yes, that is a real word that secret agents use. Operatives needed to extricate themselves from restraints or incarceration, and this is where the magic manual also proved invaluable. They would create and hide escape kits which contained the tools needed to unlock or unchain themselves. One kit created for Harry Houdini was hidden in a hollow shoe heel. The heel opened through a hinge flap on the straight edge of the heel. CIA agents used this technique and hid inside maps, a compass, and small tools. Houdini also used a jiggly saw, which is a specialty type of bone saw made of wire that could pass as a shoelace which helped him to cut through one-inch bars. Concealment of the escape kit was vital to agents and Houdini was a master. At this point, you might be wondering, was Houdini a spy? It is known that he had an involvement with Theodore Roosevelt in the 80s. However, historian of magic Richard Cohn believes that it would be a stretch to call Houdini a spy in the James Bond sense. Instead, he considers Houdini more of an observer who passed along observations. Houdini had an egg-shaped container that held his tools and he'd place it in the back of his throat while he was being searched. 
The CIA, never to be outdone, created a suppository concealment kit of nine tools, including wire cutters, pry bars, saw blades, drill, and reamer, packed into the four-inch long by one-inch diameter kit. When the agents needed a tool, all he had to do to retrieve it was... Well, you know, it's designed just like an actual suppository. Ouch. Escape sometimes also meant exiting from a hostile location. To do this, the CIA transported people by hiding them in unexpected cavities. In one case, the fuel tank in a Mercedes-Benz was divided to accommodate a person while remaining functional. People were smuggled across the Soviet border this way. Now that's smart. The Magic Manual also mentioned the importance of signaling ideas for helping agents to communicate without detection. For instance, a message can be transmitted by the type of knot a man wears on a tie. Another method uses gift packages. The color or pattern of the wrapping paper, the way the ribbons are tied, or how it's held together contains the message. The same concept could apply to carrying books a specific way, wearing a cast, bandage, or band-aid. Any of these could be another way to communicate through the color, position, and location of these coverings. Messages can be seen at a distance without interaction by the agents. Anything that can have different designs or configurations can serve to signal. At a closer distance, shoelaces are excellent signaling devices. As long as they're tied the same way on both feet, the way they're tied or the material of the shoelaces can communicate messages such as, I have a message or I will be waiting for instructions. These were only a small sample of the training contained in the CIA's Match Manual, one of the only documents that survived MKUltra. It offers a small glimpse into the techniques used by the CIA and the US government in their fight against communism. Even though President Ford and the Church Commission curtailed MKUltra in 1976, it's true the CIA's secret programs and tricks left a deep legacy for the agency. If you were amazed at these secret spy tricks, you might want to listen to our episode about the most incredible secret spy devices in history. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and I'll see you next time you want to be amazed.